money, that which separates the haves from the have-nots. Patience, frugality. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lug It Out Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing Ozarks, seasons one, two, three, four, up until season four, part one. So... Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen Ozarks, it's uh, basically family gets involved in crime, drugs, uh, money laundering, and all that type of stuff and in between. It's uh, very, I wouldn't even call it a dark comedy. It's much more just a drama, uh, very much of the same alignment of the Breaking Bad formula of kind of the standard family or family man or fam just full family is involved in some sort of crime uh getting caught up in high level crime and so uh ozark season one just kind of a quick synopsis for everybody uh you know really in envelops the uh family into the the crime syndicate of of the chain of command of all the crime that is going on within the the three or four seasons. So with saying that I've watched season one back when it first aired in 2017 and I found it interesting, but it wasn't like super compelling. It was entertaining, but it wasn't breaking bad levels of intrigue. Uh, I will say that season two, I tried so many times to get into season two just to kind of break through the mold. And I had heard that it was a little bit slow, but I think I tried starting season two about maybe three or four times before I could actually get in the rhythm of uh, the pacing of it again. But I got to say around the middle half of season two, the pacing kind of kicks up a notch and it it reinvigorates the life of uh the different stories of what makes each character's story compelling um, really starts around the middle of season two and pretty much around season two they kind of kick the gas uh, gas up they you know boost the acceleration on the pacing and they really go full throttle with it Um, so you know Season one gets the family enveloped. Season two, uh, they're even more further into the syndicate. And then season three is kind of like scrambling. It's rolling the dice of all the different characters that have originally been working with each other for the first two seasons and kind of remixing it in a way that's a lot more interesting. So season three continues to have this uh, very compelling and interesting narrative uh, focusing on the the birds, um, I don't know if I I don't think I've mentioned anybody that's in this but it's uh Jason Bateman as the 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 husband uh playing Marty Bird, Laura Lindley as Wendy Bird, uh Sophia Hublitz as Charlotte, uh Skylar uh Gartner as Jonah Bird, um the son, and then we have the locals. So the the birds, the main family that we're following, for everyone that has no idea what's going on in the Ozarks, the birds are from out of town. They're from Chicago. Um, and actually, specifically, Wendy, is uh, uh, her character is from Boone, North Carolina, which is kind of cool. I actually went to uh, uh, university there at App State. But anyways, um, 
they are the family from out of town that is kind of getting involved in this crime syndicate. And so there was this local, the locals of the area. One of them is Julia Gardner, uh, uh, playing Ruth Langmore. We have uh, Lisa Emery as Darlene Snell, Charlie Tan, Tahan as Wyatt uh, Langmore, and Carson Holmes as Three Langmore. <laughs> Um, uh, across a couple of many very colorful supporting cast members um, that are involved in Ozarks. I think that Ozarks is taking a lot from the Breaking Bad formula of, you know, the standard family getting involved in the, the, the crime syndicate, but also having the, uh, the, the supporting cast that is so colorful and so, uh, skillful in their own realm now everybody that's watched breaking bad you know will know what i mean by the better call Sauls, the uh, uh the uh the lawyer of the of the better call be, sorry the breaking bad universe and stuff like that they kind of have the same type of uh, fixers and whatnot and lawyers in the Ozark show as well. So there's so many different uh, parallels you could do. You could probably have like a full, uh, you know, matchmaking board of all the characters that are basically playing similar characters from Breaking Bad. Now, Breaking Bad is not the, the first mold to do it, but they're one of the best to do it. They had this, I think it was like 12 episode mold with the family spiraling kind of each season and integrating into more and more diverse types of crime, Ozarks does the same exact thing. So I'm I am trying to do kind of a more of a comparison with those two right now, just starting off before we talk about the actual events of what happened at the end of the season four. So with saying that, I will say it was totally worth the ride. I think it took me about four days to finish uh two and a half seasons and I just I I had no problem going through all of season three on a Sunday. I was hung over his balls and I was just like, let's watch it. And I just had a, a fantastic time uh, watching it. I know some of it's not, it's like not, not the brightest material, but uh, I do think the pacing, even though it's sitting at an hour, I would have said the season two should have been 40 minutes, but season three, I didn't feel the pacing at all. I, I was so surprised. Um, Normally, I would have said that uh, an hour is too long for a Netflix show. An hour plus it's, you know, 10 episodes. That's a lot of television to watch. Um, but see, once it got past that season two slump in the middle and the dominoes started falling on one of an, one another, it really shows the colors of the show of how progress, uh, you know, how this is this story is going to progress. So... I think the easiest way to kind of cover what's happened over the past four seasons in, in a short, condensed fashion would to kind of go by character. Um, and so we'll go by the characters that are that are still, you know, alive or at least are alive by the end of this, uh, the beginning of the first to last episode. Um, and so let's talk about them real quick. We will uh, Marty Bird and, and Wendy Bird. Uh, very much are the Heisenberg hive mind of the family. The problem is, with regards to kind of how Breaking Bad goes, Breaking Bad has 
mainly it's just Heisenberg. Mainly it's just the husband of the family. This has uh, Marty Bird and Wendy Bird, which have they both have different types of sets of skills of you know analytical speaking and talking and being able to kind of uh, wiggle worm their way out of situations and um, get people to connect in ways that make them want to you know have you know click deals and whatnot but i will say that there is a big disconnect um i'm going to start going into spoilers for this uh these four seasons uh starting now so i would have expected you to have watched the past four seasons plus uh season four part one um of the show so um yeah i and like i said if you haven't watched it i definitely would recommend it i've waited a long time to watch it but it's it's a great binge um Marty Bird and Wendy Bird are kind of like the Jekyll and Hyde of the family. They almost are clashing against each other at uh, certain points in season two. And then in season three, they're actively paying a psychologist, therapist, uh, a therapist to have them agree with each other. So it's like Marty's like paying the psychologist, uh, the therapist an extra couple hundred bucks so that she'll convince Wendy to do this. And then Wendy starts trying to do the same thing. And it is just a toxic ass, ass uh, marriage. So, um, yeah, that's quickly dwindling. Charlotte bird. Um, she has a lot more to do in season three than season four, in my opinion, because she's uh, intrinsically friends with uh, the lawyer up until season, f- the lawyer's daughter up until around season, the beginning of season four, where Helen is, I think it's at the end of season three, she's straight up just capped just like that as soon as they touch down in Mexico. Um, and they, they, they talk to, uh, uh Omar Navarro, the, the the head cartel leader. So each season, like I said, it has uh, distributes a new set of problems that the birds have to kind of get out of, and each one of the characters um, has their own specification of how they can you know wiggle their way out of it. The thing is, um, I, I definitely feel like the um, the windy character kind of spirals things in season at the beginning of season three for them to buy another casino and ever since that happens it kind of just tapers everything after that um you know she wants to have more longevity more long you know she wants a legitimate businesses i think within the casino um world and uh industry um and so by doing that she wants to have like legitimate casinos but by doing all of this it triggered an audit which caused the fbi to clamp down on their own casino which they were basically counting chip by chip which is pretty interesting how they were doing that and they were talking about how they would watch the fluctuations per month if there was a fluctuation of more than like i don't know like 19 percent, then there was some weird funkiness going on possibly laundering and so they'd have to jump on in and check that out. Um, but yeah, I had no idea how actually casinos were, were managed. Cause I was like, I guess anybody could just go spend money, but they really go by averages and then allow like a certain amount of breakage in between. So, um, they, they kind of base it off of previous models, I guess. Um, 
so yeah, if someone were to go in there and drop like fifty thousand dollars, if if twenty twenty different people were to do that, it would be kind of obvious. But since they're trying to go in there and you know they have this uh, legitimate scheme of go in there, uh, spend nine, keep one type thing. Um, they have it all under lock until I think Wendy really pushes for this new casino, which triggers the FBI, which triggers um, way more, way more of the cartel and the FBI to be involved in their life, which I don't think that Marty was ever trying to push. And so it does force the marriage to kind of separate even more as the seasons progress, it continuously they diverge in different directions. Um, not to say that I, this has nothing to do with the the, the actress Laura Lindley. I, I think that she's doing a phenomenal job. I actually think that she's carrying more of the emotional weight of this show than um, Jason Bateman. I, I generally like Jason Bateman, but his performance in this uh, series has been kind of interesting. Um, it's not like it's required for me watching him i'm not like give this guy an oscar you know i i think that his performance is more toned down and that might even be worth more of a different type of award but you know most of the time when you get acting awards and stuff like that it's because you're going loud and bombastic and you're uh you're screaming or you're channeling this energy that i honestly think that julia gardner uh garner is doing leaps and bounds uh not better but she her, her performance is just phenomenal in this show and her progression as this character of Ruth Langmore makes me want to see her in other stuff i mean she's clearly a movie star she's uh, she's clearly a tv star but i mean um i i guess movie star is not even like the term anymore because once you are a streaming star it's a, it's a different type of stardom like you're still like you're put on that movie star stardom because people know your name and know that your face. Um, just like how all the Squid Games people uh, got super famous um, just from a random show that nobody had ever heard. And then all of a sudden they see the guy and they're like, oh, that's a Squid Games guy. So Julia uh, Gardner is doing amazing work in this uh, season four. I mean, she's done, done amazing work uh all of the seasons, but they're giving her the most to chew on. Um, emotion, emotional scenes, the dramatic scenes with Julia, uh, sorry, with Ruth in this, uh, this season, I believe. Um, high and high stress tests that she has to go through throughout the previous seasons with, uh, the cartel and whatnot. It just gets crazy. Um, let's talk about Lisa Emery's Darlene Snell real quick. Um, Lisa Emery, I I really enjoy her powerful performance. I haven't really seen too much of her in in, in things. Uh, looks like she's she's been on the acting in the acting industry for a minute. I'm seeing as far back as uh, let's see, oh five, eighty six. 1985 miniseries yeah i haven't really even seen her on too much but i think she's phenomenal she's got this like really um intense uh charisma is not the right word but she's got this really intense force about her 
but she's also got this very uh i don't know maternal aura about her as well too and i think that some people might have criticism about her and her relationship with jacob snell who's played by peter mullen who i i could listen to peter mullen uh narrate an entire book as a matter of fact i hope i do sometime I, the dude's voice is just so soothing and i think that He's, uh, I think he's Australian now that I think about it, because I remember seeing him in like Westworld or something. And is he Australian? Let me see. I don't have his information behind me, but I, I he has a great UK. He's from the UK. Okay, sorry. Um, so he's got thick english accent but i still think it's it's phenomenal to listen to and when he's playing this like cowboy character uh it's, it sounds so down to earth it's it's pretty interesting i know it's a little bit extra southern but i i something about it i just like i like that actor i think he's been in leftovers as well if i can think about it um yeah and he was in children of men i remember him in that uh let me see anything else Jonah Bird, played by Skylar Gartner, they're they're trying so hard to keep this young man uh, young. Uh, <laughs> I think he was like twelve or something when the when the show started, and it's easily what are we five years? Yeah, twenty seventeen. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, yeah, five years. Um, yeah, they're doing everything they can to keep this boy young because I think he's having to play like only one or two years above his age, uh, below his age now. So they're running out of time. Um, but yeah, I like his performance uh, very much in this. He's he's doing excellent work. Um, not much to say except for his, his um, resentment towards his mother once again um the miss wendy bird is getting a lot of flack for what happened to her um brother ben which was played by uh what the fuck is his name uh tom pelfrey plays ben davis i remember seeing him in iron fist and I was like, what is going on with this guy? But I, this guy is a really good actor. I think that um, season, was it season three of, yeah, it was season three of um, Ozarks that he just has like a, an interesting spiral from seeing him as, as a substitute teacher that you gets in a fight, just can't hold a job, might be doing drugs shows up with the family and the family is like we can't deal with this on top of the fbi the cartel and everything in between going on and ben is um slowly finding out more about what's going on and he's kind of acting honestly he's acting pretty rational but because he's threatening to go tell the police and it, he, he just is a compulsive guy that you tell him what not to do and he goes and does it it is so uh, it's such a struggle and I, you know, they talk about committing him, which he's been committed before. And it's like, there was only so many things they could do. And so, I mean, he even goes to the cops and says, you know, my sister works for the cartel. And when they're, they try to hold him in the van and stuff like that, it's like Wendy realizes a certain point that 
they're going to have to kill the brother not because of uh not because he can't stop acting a fool but it's because we don't know who he's going to tell and it's going to put everybody at risk and in danger um and so it's just becomes like a hazard um and i think that wendy gets the the blunt of the blow even though i'm pretty sure jason bateman marty marty was uh in it just as much too but i believe jonah is under the impression that because helen says that you know wendy was with him um that it's it's all majority of wendy's fault i don't know um so yeah i definitely think the blame needs to be dispersed evenly but it's also you know from the crime standpoint what were what were they going to do they definitely you know ben wasn't going to stop he wasn't going to take his meds and he needed he, the meds made him uh you know quote unquote lame in bed um and uh ben and ruth had this you know really interesting uh connection ruth has lost so many people in her life it's it's quite remarkable i from her mom her abusive dad in season two and then in season three she loses ben and then season four um we're about to talk about what happened in season four at the end of this she loses fucking uh wyatt what the shite wyatt i i okay so let's let's kind of uh, let's wind back the crocs a little bit so uh so Jessica Francis Dukes plays special agent Maya Miller and she clamps down on Omar Navarro which causes his the cartel's uncle's nephew to go berserk and nearly kill Marty and his lawyer and then show up at Darlene's place why, right after they had their wedding and they were trying to figure out what kind of last names they were going to have. And Ruth had, was trying to get Wyatt to leave so many times, but Wyatt was head over heels for this uh, Miss Darlene Snell and Zeke. And so it cost them their life. And so Wyatt and Darlene are walking in and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And... Uh, uh, Javi's like, you know, sit down, sit down. You know, we told you to stop selling opium, opium, <laughs> op opioids, uh, or what was it? Opioids or heroin. Sorry. And so bam, bam, and fucking just shoots Darlene and shoots Wyatt. I was just like, holy Santa Claus. She didn't even get out any words, barely any words. Um, and then of course we have Ruth's amazing reaction after that. Uh, you know, I think the only death in her recently that she hasn't cared too much about was her dad's Cades because he was an abusive ass. But, um, yeah, seeing Ruth cry is very, is very saddening. Um, and unlike how Breaking Bad is, you know, in comparison, this shows very, very dark, uh, just visually, tonally and they don't have many moments of where they just alleviate the uh the drama with any comedy so it's uh times like these seeing uh ruth langmore you know having to react to an yet another death it's like oh my gosh 
what are they going to do for this one? And so I thought this one was shot probably the best. I, I think the, the camera work and the cinematography, even the blue sheen they have on the show, I feel like it kind of is reduced uh, just a little bit in season three, season four compared to season two. Because I was just like, I feel like I'm looking through a fucking Instagram filter. It's so goddamn blue. It's like no world is this blue. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's lightening up a little bit. Um, but yeah, from the cinematography to the acting to the, uh, everything is working on all cylinders. Um, especially what, you know what I noticed in season two was there was very little or light music in my opinion, in comparison to the majority of the season. Um, some, something compared to like a show like Euphoria, which relishes, uh, uh, sorry, relishes, it revels in, the needle drops of the music that it plays and almost takes advantage of uh, the music being almost uh, another character in the season or in the show. I feel like Ozarks doesn't really take advantage of the musical score um, until, uh, honestly, season three. I felt like season two, the score was almost non-existent, and that's what kind of felt like the pacing kind of had it and stagnant, which made it feel like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a tense scene, a dramatic scene, a comedic scene. I mean, obviously it wasn't a comedic scene, but I just felt like several times I was like, I need a little bit more direction on it. So, uh, yeah, I was so surprised to see Darlene and Wyatt just get right at the end. Um, another character I, um, I really enjoyed was, uh, Kevin L. Johnson who plays Sam, uh, dermody and he's just like this dopey guy that they get from like i think this uh, motivating sermon and they get him to do the like random odd jobs around the casino and around the the crime syndicate that they have sometimes he's being a plant to gamble too much sometimes he's a strip club guy uh and i was just like this is like some this is some Breaking Bad shit. Like, this guy's straight off of Breaking Bad. If they would have had, like, two more characters like this guy, it would have been, like, way more Breaking Bad vibes. Because he's the... Uh, he's in the pressure cooker of the show. I felt like season two kept one steady tone, and it never alleviated. It needed a lot more of this alleviation. Um, because we had this, like, FBI guy, Perry, who was, like, a self-hating gay uh narcotics providing asshole to Rachel and he, he you know he there was just so much going on in season two that it, it needed a lot more of this like Sam type character and we only got a few scenes with him um but now I I think they utilize him a lot more in season three and season four in ways that allow you to get a nice little laugh in between the high intense dramatic scenes um i wonder why jordana sapiro didn't uh join back for season four or season three season four of ozarks i don't remember her actually leaving the show at the end of season two but um i thought she was an interesting um interesting character in the show uh and then of course we got nelson the hitman he's he's like the cliche doesn't say anything just does gets the job done I'm pretty sure he was in a lot of season two or season three and didn't say much to anything. Just gave of these looks. It'd be interesting to get paid for just looks. Um, oh, and Buddy 
we lost Buddy, uh, played by Harris Yulin. Um, damn, I didn't realize he was Buddy was in Ghostbusters, Clear and Present Danger, and Training Day, and Scarface. Jesus, Buddy's been in a lot of shit. Um, yeah, so uh, the character Buddy Decker is another character that um, that I really liked in season two. He kind of uh, brings a little bit of comedic sense to the show as well in season one you know skinny dipping naked and all that shit um but season two it was just written on the wall i'd say that the one of the problems with the show is a little bit of the predictability i can kind of see based on the characters that they're playing i'm like oh gosh yep definitely this older grandpa character he's done he's gonna get it probably in a self-sacrificing way, probably going to get it. Uh, you know, oh, a mobster, the the head of the KC mob, oh, definitely going to get it. I, de I had so many bets in my head that I was like, this guy's definitely going to get it, this guy's going to get it. Um, I had a feeling between Jacob and Darlene, one of them was going to get taken out because they started to have this rift between each other. And uh, honestly, Darlene just gets to him first. I mean, he Jacob was going to kill her, but she just knew it was coming, so she spiked uh, the coffee, gave him a heart attack or something like that. So certain characters, I definitely feel like, add a lot of charisma, like the Buddy character, but they are playing types. They're playing almost tropes um, that are really... Uh, ben, I knew Ben was going to die. I didn't think that for a second he was going to live. Um let me see anybody else. Honestly, Wilkes is a character I thought was going to get it. He has not gotten it. He's just on the... If he had a few more scenes, I think that he would probably get it. Helen, I knew that she would probably get it. I was actually surprised she was she was taken out as quickly as she was, but I knew that she was probably going to be taken out by the, the crime boss. There's just certain elements of the show that are reflective of other shows that kind of give me clues i'm like oh this guy's definitely not gonna make it oh they're definitely not gonna make it um so yeah i'm trying to think of anything oh and the preacher in season two there's a lot of things in season two that kind of go by the wayside that i didn't think that worked 100 percent. like the preacher abducting laura lindley's wendy's character the wendy character i just was like this is way too much uh which brings upon zeke the baby which i feel like they they instantly hate having to deal with that uh, having a baby on says very difficult, I think. Um, so, yeah, I was just like, I, I don't remember anything from season one. So everything he's upset about having his, his wife disappear because of the birds kind of fell by the wayside for me. And and it ultimately didn't feel consequential. There's a lot of bodies surrounding the birds, I got to say, that um, specifically like the sheriff missing, Helen missing, like, they're, like, how are there not more cops surrounding the birds? That That's one thing I'm, like, very in the dark about. How are they not, like, searching Helen's place, like, on, you know, on, on 10? Uh, a lot of, a lot of small things, logistical things. I think that this show doesn't exactly pan out from the world point of view, that the Breaking Bad universe always felt like they went so far above and beyond of world building. It 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 was fascinating. It was like we were seeing the minute details of what were happening in three states over in another show. Um it it, it was pretty fascinating.
Uh, and of course, we did have some flash flashbacks with uh, Russ Langmore and Wyatt's character. I thought those were very touching. Um, honestly, Charlie uh, Tahan as Wyatt, he really grew on me in season three. I thought season two, he was just kind of playing this bum. In season three, they really do something with the character and, and push him in a more interesting direction. And so I, I I really enjoyed his the the growth of that character and him kind of being put with Darlene made for a very interesting story. Um, three, they do absolutely nothing with uh, Carson Holmes. He's kind of more like a comedic relief again. And... Um, trying to think of anything else that's happened uh damian young as jim i love jim's voice jim's got really i, I can't even do his his uh, uh an impression of jim jim's yeah jim's neck got has got this next level deep ass voice but uh really enjoy him uh, and sheriff nicks i don't there must have been something that happened in season one that happened with why Sheriff Nix was working for Darlene and Jacob. He was doing everything for them, uh, you know, regarding just kind of keep covering their asses. And, uh, oh, Frank Cosgrove Jr., um, he's a big dickhead in season three. He's uh, the son of the Casey mob uh, leader. And I like this actor, Joseph Sikora, because he plays really, you know, he reminds me of, he reminds me of uh, Biff from uh <laughs> back to the future and you know he kind of does the 180 thing like biff does too you know how biff is an asshole at some points and then all of a sudden he's nice he kind of can do that that 180 turn on that and i think that's that's pretty interesting um anything else anything else uh yep yeah. casey mob guy played by uh john bedford lloyd frank done uh, Evan George Varkuis plays Tuck. Only got a little bit of him in season two. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think that's just about it. Katrina Link as Claire, uh, Claire Shaw. Um, Claire Shaw is interesting as like kind of the head pharma um, lady. I'd say that there's not much too much to say about her, but um, she does a lot with a little the little amounts of screen time I think she has. I definitely think that she's possibly on the chopping block. Do we want to start talking about possibilities for um end of season, end of uh end of series type stuff? I'm thinking that she's possibly on the chopping block. There's gonna be probably a pretty big shootout at the end. Oh, the therapist. That therapist was so fucking funny. Um and you knew exactly what was going to happen when when Nelson walked up in there as Frank Jackson or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, I, I was like, oh shit, I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, and you know what's actually funny? Uh, Tyler Chase plays Tommy, who is trying to um, make friends. He's the undercover agent, or he's the uh, he's the undercover trying to mack on uh helen's daughter and the funny thing is he basically has to play the same character in euphoria <laughs> um and and it, it just aired it's, it's kind of interesting it's like all right tommy uh, tyler chase we need you to play the exact same fucking character oh my goodness but um yeah so i'm trying to see if there's anything else we need to uh discuss uh 
Eric Ladin plays this like uh, restaurant guru type uh, famous asshole at the beginning of season four. And he does a great job just kind of playing that character actor, kind of a little bit snooty, but probably still fun to hang out with uh, type character. And uh, he overdoses at the beginning of this season, I believe, at the casino, which I did feel a little, was a little contrived just to kind of get the the heat on Ruth a little bit. Because I feel like every time Ruth tries to get a little bit of edge, it always fires back tremendously on her. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that we need to discuss. Er, I think that's about it. Maybe let's do some predictions. Um predictions probably revolve around i think that they have planted a lot of seeds of marty working for the card uh working for the fbi and to my knowledge like watching the show is it is very interesting to watch like uh marty kind of maneuver his ways out of conversation out of sticky situations by just kind of talking um, and, uh, you know, kind of shaking hands and looking, staring at the ground. Y'all count how many times Jason Bateman is staring at the ground when he's talking in these, sh- in the show, the first four seasons, this, this man's neck has to hurt from looking at the ground. He's staring at it. So God dang much. Um, but with, with saying that, I don't always feel like his power of, uh, persuasion is believable. I feel like sometimes she just talks really fast, has no, doesn't blink, has a lot of, you know, confidence in what he's saying. And then the character on the other side's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, all right, well, we'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> and instead of like, really, it, I don't always feel like the conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, are always, uh, leveled out between the two parties i feel like sometimes mari's like okay so this is what we're gonna do we're gonna go over here we're gonna put the shotguns over here we're gonna put the money over here we're gonna clean it through here we're gonna put it through the bag we're gonna have 10 guys come in here to do this take the bag out gonna do this and then we're gonna do this and we'll have it in by tomorrow how's that and it's like before you even like can think about it he's like already got the plan out like that um so i don't know if he's exactly like a jimmy neutron heisenberg level genius because it sounds like he's more of like an IT tech guy because that's how he's technically getting the 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 laundering through because they have like these shell companies. But if it's enough that his son is kind of doing it too, I don't know exactly what makes Marty, you know, the the expert in it. If his son of like 14 can do exactly the same thing, um, mostly it's just his powers of persuasion. Now, I do see a little bit more with Laura Lindley's... Uh, uh, ability to communicate from like a political standpoint i definitely see that because marty looks like a numbers guy in, in in the way he acts like a very much of a numbers guy laura lindley is kind of more of an the expansion of it um not laura lindley but wendy's character is more of the expansion but with saying that the expansion is where the danger comes in as well <clears throat> um Anything else? Uh, Janet McTeeter. Sorry, McTeer. Plays Helen Pierce. One, I was fascinated by Helen Pierce as just like a specimen. She's probably like a six foot one, 
like goddess, like very beautiful, but also super stern. And when I say like like goddess, I'm just I'm not just saying from like a like an attractive uh, standpoint, but I'm just talking like just larger than life type specimen. And for them to bring her in and have this, you know, stern, um, confident, willed person, and she's hardly under a lot of, she doesn't act like she's under a lot of stress, but um, for the majority of it, but when she is, it's like, oh my gosh, that's intense. Um, But when she's like trying to strong arm people, you can see how, Wendy Bird is trying to mirror her in many ways as well. And so, you know, Wendy is trying to learn from the big dogs how this is going to work. Um, You know, working in the cartel and and crime industry. Um, Crime industry. Uh, The crime syndicate. I did see that Robin Wright directed the a uh, couple of the last couple episodes. I was pretty impressed by that Robin Wright. I don't I forget that she is a director now. Let me see if there's anything else I need to discuss. That was yeah, it was Robin Wright. Um let me see if there's anything else. Yeah, she did the last 7 6 and uh Alik Sarkoff was the director of five so yeah the last couple ones were really good um i'd say all of season four is got all of the pieces all in the right place there's not a wasted episode um jump on in the water's fine when is the next uh so the last half of season four is going to be released uh what is that april 29th 2022 at least for the states, so yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad I got to <laughs> binge this entire series, basically two through four, um, in like three or four days. But I was like, I was in it. I I just was ready for the next episode right after another. I did I didn't get tired of it. So jump on in the Ozark waters. Fine. Oddly enough, I kind of want to go visit the Ozarks because. I bet the land out there is super expensive after this show. Um, people trying to check it out, actually. Um, like, Ruth's uh, trailer on the lake is absolutely beautiful. I would live in that trailer on the lake. I mean, that is a nice-ass piece of land right there. Um, that's probably like half a million dollars at, at least. So uh, it would be in North Carolina, honestly, with that kind of water. But... Uh, yeah, beautiful views, cinematography, A1, uh, acting, directing. I think it's all hitting on all cylinders. It, it's it's what you expect from a really good season four show. And what makes me even more excited is that there's a close coming, um, a close to the story. You know, I don't want this thing to go on forever. If it's going on forever and not without any end in sight, that's where... The problems come where they run out of, uh, you know, true ideas. So, yeah, let me know what you thought about Ozark season one, two, three, four, whatever one you're on. We've watched them all. We've kind of covered them all. Um, so, uh, be sure to check out patreon.com slash podcast. You can be listening to this podcast early. You can get all of the 
early reviews, the retro reviews, and the full library under three different tiers under the Patreon. Um, go to LuckyDollPodcast.com for the entire library and social media plugs, the Patreon, the Discords, the Facebooks, the all the links are on LuckyDollPodcast.com. Let me know what you thought about the review, let me know how I can improve, and take it easy. For our family.